This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape here today with Karen Stockman again. This is part two um, of a part two conversation um, on well-being. Yes. And thank you for coming back, Karen. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me, Holly. Uh, last time, for those who didn't have the opportunity to tune in, and you can actually go back, grab the podcast from um, Access Media. .co.nz and you can look up Connect with Community Waikato. You can actually find the first show if you are so inspired after listening to the second show or if you just want to remind yourself what we talked about. Um, this week we, we're going to do a follow-up so just we'll touch base a bit on, on what we spoke about last week very briefly before we look more at perhaps the more individualised side of well-being. So if we, if we refer back to, to last week when we talked about well-being from that kind of team environment, the sort of strategic um, space, yep. yeah, do you want to just give us a little reminder of some of the things we touched on? So what we touched on last, last week was that it is strategically wise for us to be concerned about the um, well-being of the people that we employ with it or who volunteer within our organisation. So when we're talking about well-being, we're talking about the state of being comfortable, healthy and happy. Yeah. And while we could argue that not all of that is the responsibility of employers or workplaces, what we do also understand is that happy, healthy people are more productive, are happier in their work, are more likely to stick around and productivity is. Yeah is higher and greater. So all the things that um, that businesses often like to see. Absolutely, and that's why the corporate sector invests highly in, in wellbeing. And it seems a bit um, it seems a bit unusual when we think about our own um, sector and, and we're all about people. You know, mm. we're all about looking after people but we tend to look outwards for that and not so much inwards. Yes. We're, we're very concerned about what quality service looks like on the ground for the, our recipients, the people that, or the communities that we're trying to impact, and less about what that looks like for the people doing the serving. And so Community Waikato has been in a process of, um, of developing a wellbeing strategy. We've put together a wellbeing subcommittee, yourself included. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and you've been driving that process um, alongside Kim um, to, to really... And, and Kitty, before she she um, has moved on to a new role, um, to really do something for Community Waikato tailored to what we are as an organisation, who the team is constituted of, um, and in line with our own our, values our culture. and culture. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's really exciting. Um, that that's a team sort of side. But today we were going to turn our focus a little bit more to, I suppose, the individual side of yeah. um, well-being. Yeah. Um, so we, we sort of defined it from a, um, a team perspective last time, but that definition that you spoke about just, just before as well really applies to individuals as well, doesn't totally. it? Totally. And so um, 
how is it realised though in individuals as opposed to um, a kind of team strategy? Where, where do we start seeing some of the differences? Well, so how we have approached that at Community Waikato, if I can just talk about where we've got to with it, Holly, and, and you know it is very early stages, but we've decided that we want everybody to develop for themselves a wellbeing plan. Mm. And so I say that like I'm surprised, but I do know this. Yeah, I do. No, you do know this because oh, actually, yeah. so um, how how that will work? Because we're, as I said, we're at the beginning stages. So how that will work is that everybody will be encouraged to develop a plan for themselves. So we've decided not to have a template as such. We've decided that we won't have a standardised one size fits all. But what we're doing is encouraging, and and we will be asking every every person in the team to have developed a bit of an intention for the Mm. next 12 months. Um, And as we talked about last programme, that's based around Te Whare Tapawha. So there's five aspects to that. So the four pillars of the whare nui, so Mm -hmm. physical physical well-being, spiritual or non-physical well-being, emotional well-being, and social or family well-being. Yeah. Founded on um, our place, and uh, you know the Fenua, our place, mm. our, where we're situated, yeah, where we stand, where we belong. So, because we've adopted that model in the wellbeing strategy, both our collective and our individual um, wellbeing approaches will take those, di- will consider those dimensions, yeah. So how we see that working is that everybody will then develop for themselves a bit of an intention, a plan for how they will improve their well-being over the next 12 months. So that's yeah. going to look as different for everybody as we've got individuals in the team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's the low-hanging fruit. There's the things that people um, typically think about. So there, there'll be things about, I guess, about fitness and, and physical health and there might be commitments around start, you know, around working your your regular hours mm. during the week. I know for myself, one of my um, intentions, part of my wellbeing plan, will be to limit my weekend work to a maximum of two weekends a month. Excellent. Um, and if I can, one weekend a month, but two as a maximum. Yeah. Um, I will be committing to making it to my yoga classes which means that I will not be making appointments beyond four o'clock on a a um, on a Monday Wednesday or Thursday mm-hmm. um, and on a Tuesday I will be home in time to take my son to his his drumming lessons yeah so I've already got some low-hanging fruit which is all about my well-being it's all about making sure that I can be the mother that I need to be that I can you know yeah. take care of my my well-being um, it might be that people look at things like um, their own development mm. and they might want to, you know, so we have supervision and co- professional coaching and supervision as a part of what we offer to our staff. I would consider that to be part of well-being. Some people use it, some people don't. Now, for individuals who aren't using it that at the moment, they might consider that accessing that even if it's only two or three times a year might contribute to their well-being yeah I think that's um that is really important and I I I appreciate um you bringing up your family and some of those commitments you make to your family for your well-being because 
I think this is what we're really keen to to be doing as an organisation is um, that this isn't just about your well-being in the workplace. It's understanding that individual well-being is about um, that work-life balance, um, that there needs to be a, a genuine balance, that people people's lives exist beyond the workplace. That's right. And if we can really support people... Um, in their home life as well, to, to feel like they're meeting their duties, like meeting their obligations, but yes. also, you know, what they desire to do as well in their homes, that um, that they're actually going to be far better in their, in their actual jobs as well. Absolutely. And if you think about the nature of the work that we do at Community Waikato, when you take on a role with us, especially in the advisory service, you understand that the work occurs in evenings and weekends. And so... In order to make that a palatable option for people and for people to stay well, we have to have a focus on, so what does that look like to make sure that the other side of your yes. life yeah. is ha- healthy and happy as well when your family know that you're mm. going to be away for a weekend or working of an evening or whatever. What's difficult, of course, is, is that that the team is so diligent that they still turn up every day as well and do a nine yes. to five plus <laughs> the evenings and it's like no you actually get to take the next day or if you've done four hours take four hours you know and so in terms of our well-being planning you know we've done some things as an organization haven't we holly over mm. the years to try to address that yeah um that issue like people needing to use their toil within a certain amount of time so their time off in lieu for extra mm. hours worked and those policies are specifically to support yes people's well-being um and by planning it and 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 having those conversations with you because it's not for you to um sign off on people's well-being plans no. to give permission for them but it is important for you to know and be able to support those to be able to inquire with us as part of our performance yeah um Conversations, conversations as part of your role as our manager to to know that we are thinking about our well-being for you to know that we are doing okay absolutely so I think um, you know as an organisation we've we've committed to a number of things anyway that have been supportive of well-being, um, individuals' well-being and one of those you've already mentioned, well two actually you've mentioned toil, you've also mentioned um, supervision um, we're also a family friendly workplace which yes. I think is helpful um, and that includes dogs. Yes it does So I mean that's helpful yes, for someone like me you know. Well that's understanding that how people construct their own sense of family or their own social um, environment is different, isn't it? And we do have a lot of animal people in our organisation. We really do. And we're lucky we don't have anyone terrified of animals or highly, highly allergic. Yeah, we are lucky. Might have to become part of our recruitment strategy. (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's great, I think, that those things have already been present. And I'm thinking for people who are employers who are listening at the moment or part of teams, you might be thinking, actually, you know, there's some things that we already do. But I think there's something interesting about being more deliberate about um, developing a well-being strategy and individualised well-being plans. Oh, totally. And actually, as you were talking, I was reflecting on the fact that some people require permission, yeah, like really explicit permission to do 
things. Yes. So an example of that, I think, was during the lockdown, we had, you know, some of us, you know, you'd take a break from your desk and you'd go out, so you might do some gardening for half an hour and you'd come back in. Or you might walk the dog. And I was having a conversation with a colleague where they went, oh, and they weren't doing that yeah. because they felt like they didn't have permission. They felt like it was something they would need permission to not be working, to mm. be going and doing something for themselves. And what it really highlighted, I guess, for me, and because I have been part of this project, is how important it is for some people to have permission to take care of their well-being. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. And mm. so it might be that explicitly in someone's well-being plan they talk about taking time during the week to do certain things and what they would have traditionally defined as work time yes um on that note we're just going to take a a brief little break um we'll be back with you shortly and we'll continue this conversation
don't know about you, Karen, but Never Ending Story was one of my happy Aww. places as a young person. <laughs> I uh, so love that movie. My eldest daughter loved that movie, and I used to watch. I've probably seen it about yeah. fifteen times, Holly. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you a curveball here. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I have complete confidence that you'll, you'll this, this will make perfect sense to you. As I was saying that, I was thinking, you know, as a Gen Xer. Um, what I need for, for my well-being might be quite different from if you're a millennial or a Gen Zer or totally you know or a baby boomer or you totally. know just all those different generations yes. um, and I wonder though if there'll be some tensions between people from you know one generation really understanding how someone in another generation wants to express their own well-being or what what plans they might need to put in place yeah and I think that is therein lies the importance of this individualised approach really Holly eh? so if we are framing this up in our strategy as everybody gets um, and I'm going to use the word fear yeah. fear access to the pie in terms of the support that's available and everybody works on their own individual plan with whatever support they need so part of mine and Kim's role as the well-being champions for want of a better title well-being champions for the organisation is to support the team collectively and individually to evolve and understand this whole well-being thing so I think how we as an organisation respond to this idea of what well-being can look like for everybody I would like to think that people will be spending less time looking over the fence at what someone else's well-being plan looks like and more committed to how their own planning is is impacting on their well-being and I think if we can help people to find the ways that really are going to enhance things for themselves they'll be less inclined to be judging what someone else is Mm. and I think that is why that individual approach is important because I agree with you I think it's easy to go oh my goodness you know that what a waste of what a waste that is or or, you know I don't think they should be doing that yeah yeah um these wellbeing plans that we're doing as a team um, include a, a budget line as well. Yes, yeah, so we're really fortunate, aren't we, yeah. to be in a position where we can put some resource toward it. So, and I don't think it matters how I, large or how yeah. small that resource is. I, I, but I, I think the other side of that was that um, there is so much you can do even without the budget. So totally, you, you know that this isn't just about. Um, putting money into, you know, someone wanting to buy walking shoes or a gym membership or 30 jigsaw puzzles or whatever yeah. it is that helps their well-being. Or a weekend away yeah, or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, or whatever. But there's, um, there are many things, and I and I really appreciated what you were talking about earlier when you talked about, um, and you know, not booking meetings after a certain time so you can actually get home and do those things that are really important for, for you. I mean, that's yeah. not a cost thing. No, it's not. And actually, because I am... Of that generation where, and I, I and I do see my role being to serve, and that makes it difficult. I find yeah. it hard to say no to things, and yes. so if you say to me, "Oh, Karen, can we meet at four thirty on on Wednesday for da 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 da?" I am likely to say yes because yeah. that's just how I'm wired, and, and that's it, how you ended up here on radio today. <laughs> and that's how I ended up here on radio today. Totally. Um, but if I have that as part of my plan and I have shared that with you, so it doesn't necessarily get shared with the rest of the team, but I've shared it with you, there is a legitimising of yeah. and almost a, a, almost a, a, a permission around that 
boundary. Yes. And that makes it much more likely, one, that you're going to know not to ask me, but also yep. that you will support me to communicate that to my colleagues. Yes. That, that as my supervisor, as my manager, that you might, you know, be behind saying, okay, so we've got some boundaries being set in people's individual plans and, you know, who wants to share what those are with everybody else? It's just a way to segue and it's yeah. not that we're children and need that, you know, you know, need that management, but I think sometimes just creating an environment where we to can have, start the dialogue. That that's says, right. Actually, in this organisation, it's okay to have boundaries. Yeah. In this organisation, it's okay to say, no, I don't work outside of this. Now, we've yeah. got colleagues who are very good examples of that, and then we've got those of us who aren't. Yes. <laughs> so we've got people in our team at the moment that you just know. Yeah. You just know that at this time, this person is not going to be available. Usually for me, it's my indoor netball time. Totally. Um, although I have had to give that up for Beanie Babies. But totally worth it because this is a yeah, good cause. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know. But when we do it, that also other people appreciate that we have sacrificed something because we think that's important as well. And it yeah. doesn't just become a slippery slope. That's right. Yeah. Of, um, of constantly breaking boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so, so what we're I suppose the point we're at now is um, there's there's a strategy that has been developed as an organisation, and yep. and it was really important to to not just take an off the shelf um, approach in terms of strategy development. Here, you talked a lot it's about that totally, nuance. It's totally bespoke. So yes. our strategy is our strategy. It's based on our culture. It's based on our history. It's based on our strategic direction. Our goals um, um, and our team at the and moment. our people, yeah, and yeah. the and the demographic of our people. Yes, yes, so, that's right. Because I was just thinking, if we had a team full of, um, you know, really you know, eighteen to twenty-five year olds, it would look so different. It totally would. We probably wouldn't be working like nine to five type days no, at all, even totally. Yeah, and so and I think that idea that it's bespoke, that it is specifically developed for this time yes and these people so the other thing is we've got some measures in there so we've set some goals and we've got some measures and, and some that that will have us looking and seeing how successful we're being while we're doing it yeah so we can adjust but also at the end is that it's a constantly evolving yeah um strategy and when team members come and go, as time passes, as we learn more, as people get better at prioritising mm -hmm. their well-being, I would imagine that in the next 12 months, the strategy will, will adjust. Yes, I, I imagine you're absolutely right. Um, measurement's quite an important component mm. of, um, of this. And I think well-being's one of those things that's easy to kind of talk to and not... Um, not put some measurements in place. Yeah, and so our measures are not that. There are some things that we will have hard measures around, like did you turn up, Holly, to three or more yeah, team, team activities? Yes, yeah. you did, or no, you didn't. You know, yeah. those measures are easy, but those measures that are around um, how people feel about things or how people would analyze where they see themselves sitting those are soft measures but it doesn't make them any less important mm. and so what's going to be important is that we capture the narrative that we capture people's sense of where they would position themselves 
um, and that we understand that the strategy isn't going to be the thing. The plan isn't going to be the thing that results mm. solely in a shift for people. Yeah. But what we're trying to do is make some sense of all of this effort that we've put in, has it moved us yeah. closer toward what we've said we want to achieve or not? It's really interesting because um, this for me came out of a lot of the stuff happening at COVID and seeing how some of our team members were impacted by that and yep. by a lot more isolation working yep. from home and thought actually we could really do with a strategy. Um, I think, you know, it wouldn't have been fascinating to see how differently we would have handled COVID as a team had we had a strategy prior yes. to COVID. And I think that incidentally we handled COVID relatively well. I and think I think so that too. that's reflective of the culture that we have. So we yep. already had components to our culture that meant that well being was considered more than maybe in some other environments, I think, Holly. Like mm. definitely um your leadership style, for example, is very much about individuals getting what and having what they need to be successful in their work and so I think the well-being strategy is like an extension of that so mm. we already had a culture that was more focused around individuals than maybe some other workplaces might have but I do think we would have put some different things in place if we had a well-being strategy and yeah. the, and and people would have been more familiar with why we were doing yeah. it and, and there would have been less resistance to some of those things and maybe yeah. some of the resistance we felt at the beginning when we started our, our daily, daily check-ins yeah. and things like that. Absolutely. Um, and, and as you were talking about earlier, um, people understanding they had permission yes. to take the breaks they needed and yeah. to, to physically move around and to not sit in front of a computer for eight hours. Yes, and I think that was a learning, wasn't it? Because yeah. for those of us who already understood that, it wasn't <laughs> Just an took issue. Just for granted. And yeah. so then to be aware that there were people who didn't think that way was quite was quite revealing, <laughs> like wasn't was it? was revealing, is a great way to put it. And yeah. it's like far out. I never, yeah. never ever thought for a moment someone would think. Exactly. But I know for myself that I have I did a lot more that each day hours than what I was paid to do oh. because of my own sense of not yep. wanting people to think I wasn't working. And, and well, and I just had so much on my plate; it just had yep. to be that way. But that that was fine. In the last minute that we have, um, if someone is listening and thinking as a team, I would love to start doing some of this stuff. Where would you Where would you suggest they start? I think. Just starting with examining why. Why do we want to do this? What is the what is the what's our motivation, our rationale for doing this, you know? And then you know, and who are we, you know? Yeah. So really starting to look at that stuff. I think it is important. It feels like well that's not really very tangible, but that is where you start so that what you create is gonna work for your organization. So you don't just start randomly throwing activities or um, tools together yeah. with a hope that you're going to hit the mark. Yeah. That you actually start by getting people in conversation about if we were, why would we focus on well-being? How is that going to help the organisation? I think having buy-in from the people who are leading the organisation is absolutely critical. Yeah. So if you didn't support this, if as a CE you weren't saying this is really important to me, the we Kim and I would be wasting our time. There would yeah. be no point in us doing these things if you weren't supporting it as a leader. So I do think that's important. If you aren't the leader in the organisation and you're listening and you want to do it, then I would start some conversations yeah. with the leader. And 
there's nothing wrong with creating your own um, individual wellbeing plan. Oh, totally, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. That goes without saying. <laughs> Look, that's us for another week. Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You've been listening to Connect with Community Waikato, 3FM 89.0. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.